He had come from God, that he was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, Jesus says, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus here in this defining moment in the Gospel of John, it says that he knows who he is, he knows where he's going, he knows what he's about, and yet he chooses to become less, and he serves his disciples. This is who Jesus is, and when the church follows his example, the church does amazing things. This is the Jesus that Paul celebrates in Philippians chapter 2. When he writes this, he says, "...who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with something as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself." Read there, "...he became less." by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus here has become less so that we could be more. And he set for us an example that we as Christians should be less so that he can be more. That's the example. That's the teaching that Jesus left us. And when we do this as Christians, when we become less so that Jesus can be more, amazing things happen. You know, the hungry get fed. The orphans have homes. The people that are suffering from disasters are cared for. And we could talk about around the world the church's impact for good. And when the church remembers this, that the church is called to be less so that Jesus can be more, amazing things happen. And that's the church that I have fallen in love with, and that's the church I know that you have fallen in love with. But when there are moments in history, and I know some of you as we played that video, you were thinking to yourself, well, you know what? There have been times in the past when the church has not been so great. You know, we could talk about the Crusades. We could talk about the Spanish Inquisition. There's a lot of things we could talk about. The church has not done a good job. That's right. When the church tried to be more, whether it was to be more powerful or or more wealthy or more influential or, or more in control or more political, when the church tries to be more, Jesus ends up being less. And terrible things happen in the name of God. And so this year, as we were thinking about, the elders and the staff and I, as we were thinking about and talking about, what is it that we as Bowling Green Christian Church, who is it that we want to be? We, we want to start this year off, and this, this, this series, this, these next five weeks, today and these next four Sundays that follow, We're going to be attempting our very best to cast for you a really crystal clear vision of of the kind of church and the kind of Christians we want to be. And it starts with us becoming less so that Jesus can be more. Because that's what Jesus has taught. That's what Jesus has modeled. And if you want to look for an example of this, you go to the Gospel of John In John chapter 3, you find a guy by the name of John the Baptist. 
Now, we talk a lot about John the Baptist in a lot of different ways, but here's the, 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 the deal. is John the Baptist was a big deal in his time. He had a huge teaching ministry. He, the, the, the text tells us when it describes John's ministry that he was out in the wilderness, he was out in the middle of nowhere, and people just flocked to John. The rich and the powerful and the, the, the nobodies, everybody was there, and they were being baptized with John. And John was just kind of a straight-talking, no-nonsense preacher. And he would just tell people the way that it was. And he, was, he would tell the soldiers how they ought to conduct themselves and the tax collectors how they ought to conduct themselves. And he, he just kind of told everybody the way that it was. And, and, I mean, he had a huge following. I mean, he, he was selling books and CDs and huge following on Twitter and Instagram and all these places. I mean, John was a big deal. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And Jesus starts to become popular. And they come, these are the Pharisees, they're circling around the carcass of, of what they think is John the Baptist's former you know, success. And they say to John, they say, John, well, funny thing, guess what's happened? Everybody's gone and has following Jesus. You see, John, you were just a fad. And John, in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, he responds this way. He says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Let's read that last, just that last line together. I must become less. You re read it with me. It won't hurt you. You were up late last night. I must become less. That was what John said. John said, you know what? It's a good thing that Jesus is becoming more. As a matter of fact, I want Jesus to become more. So Jesus is going to become more, and I'm going to become less, and that's the way that it's supposed to be. And yet we live in a world and a time and a place that we want to be more. We want to be louder. We want to have more followers. We want to, to have more influence. We want to have more wealth or control or power or whatever it is. And John the Baptist reminds us that if Jesus is going to be more, we're going to have to be a little bit less. John realized a few things that's important for us to realize. The first thing that John realizes is, is that there is only one God, and I'm not him. There's only one God. There's only one Jesus, and it's not me, and it's not you. John says that. He says, you know, I, I told you I wasn't the Messiah. As a matter of fact, John's going to then get on to the second truth, which is that everything comes from him. He says, everything I've got comes from God. The things I have, the ministry I have, the following I have, the people that are around me, the church that I enjoy, all of these things, they all come from God. I don't have anything that God hasn't given me. So everything comes from God. And the next thing he says is that everything and everyone belongs to God. I like the, the analogy John gets here. He says, you know, it's just like at a wedding. I'm not the groom, I'm the best man. Now, I don't know why the groom is named the groom and the best man's the best man. You'd think on the wedding, the groom would be the best man. I mean, that's in my, I've always kind of wondered how that works. But you've been to weddings. I've, I've done weddings. I've done a lot of them. I've never had a best man leave angry because the bride went home with the groom. 
That's never happened. I mean, they've never been like, well, wait a second, I was the best man, and why, what is she with him for? It doesn't work that way. We know how it's supposed to go at the wedding. And John says, you know what? That's how it is. Everybody belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And so when, when God shows up and God takes what's his, that doesn't upset me. As a matter of fact, that thrills me. I must become less so Jesus can become more. And that's what we're called to do. And so it's time that we as a church and we as Christians stop grabbing the glory, stop trying to direct the glory to ourselves, and started to point it towards God. Because here's the other thing we've got to realize, is that we're called to be less so that others can be more in Jesus. Here's the problem, is too often people come looking for Jesus, and instead of giving them Jesus, we give them, our, we give them us. You know, or instead of giving them Jesus, we give them a Jesus we have made in our own image. Kevin DeYoung wrote a, a blog post. He, he writes with the Gospel Coalition, and, and uh, he came up with a, a list of the substitute Jesuses that we've got circling America today. I, I'll give you a few of these here. He says there's the Republican Jesus who's against tax increases and activist judges for family values and owning firearms. That's the Republican Jesus. You have Democrat Jesus who's against Wall Street and Walmart for reducing our carbon footprint and printing money. You've got therapist Jesus, who helps us cope with life's problems, heals our past, tells us how valuable we are and not to be so hard on ourselves. We have another one. This is Starbucks Jesus, who drinks fair trade coffee, loves spiritual conversations, drives a hybrid, and goes to film festivals. We've got Touchdown Jesus, who helps athletes uh, run faster and jump higher than non-Christians and determines the outcome of Super Bowls. You have Hippie Jesus, who teaches everyone to give peace a chance, imagines a world without religion, and help us to remember that all you need is love. You have Yuppie Jesus, who encourages us to reach our full potential, reach for the stars, and buy a boat. All of those things Jesus wants you to do, didn't you know? Uh, you have Platitude Jesus. He's good for Christmas specials and greeting cards, bad sermons, and inspiring people to believe in themselves. How about Boyfriend Jesus, who wraps his arms around us as we sing about his intoxicating love in the secret place? You have the Good Example Jesus, who shows you how to help people change the planet and become a better you. These are all substitute Jesuses. He goes on, he says, but then there's the real Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Not just another prophet, not just another rabbi, not just another wonder worker. He was the only one they had been waiting for, the Son of David, Abraham's chosen seed, the one to deliver us from captivity, the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh, the one to establish God's reign and rule, the one to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. That's the God people are looking for, friends. Not a Republican Jesus or a Democrat Jesus or a yuppie Jesus or a self-empowerment Jesus or any of these other kinds of Jesuses that we've got. It's the only Jesus that, that really exists, the only Jesus that can change the world or me or you. And as Christians, that's the Jesus we're called to lift up. We've got to become less so that the real Jesus can become more. And it's important that we do it. Because we can't have more of Jesus 
uh, until we have less of ourselves. I need a volunteer at this point to help me here. Somebody uh, who likes Sprite Zero. I'm looking, oh, you are so excited. Come, come up here. Oh my goodness, this is perfect. Yes, so you really like Sprite Zero. Man, you're excited. Here we go. Oh, we should get this microphone so everybody can hear what we're doing. So, for the record, tell me what your name is. Kenzie. Kenzie, and how long have you liked Sprite Zero? Ever since I tasted it. <laughs> Great. And when did you taste it? Recently? Uh, That's okay. Did your mom let you drink a lot of Sprite Zero? No? So this is special. Have you ever had Sprite Zero this early in the morning? Oh, you are in for a treat. Hold this for a second. I've got to get it. It's over here in this lovely cooler I've had up here. All right, here we go. So we've kept it cold. Here's the Sprite Zero. We're going to open it so it defizzes just a little bit. All right. So we've got some Sprite here. Now I'm going to pour two glasses of Sprite, and you can pick which one you want. Does that sound good? Does this sound really difficult? Are you on break from school? Yeah? No? You're in school? No. Good. You're not. Oh, there we go. That's a good, good glass. All right. So what, what have we done here? We've got two glasses. We've got this one. We'll fill it up with Sprite. And we're done. Or this one. But we're going to fill up with Sprite. Oh, there it is. Yeah. All right. Now, Kinsey, which glass of Sprite would you most like to have? Why would you like that one? Because I don't like ice. You don't like ice. And how much... <laughs> what, why don't you like ice? Because it's cold. It's cold, and it's just... I mean, it's just water, right? Yeah. And your mom probably lets you drink water all the time, doesn't she? Yeah. Has she ever told you you can't have water? No. No, she's a good mom. That's why she's never told you that. So you can have the Sprite, or you can have a glass full of frozen water. You want the Sprite? All right, well, you can take it. That's all. Thank you very much. Good job. And that's true, isn't it? You've all, you've all been to the drive-thru on a summer day where you've hoped to get a good, refreshing drink, and you haven't even hit the street, and you're out. You're sucking the straw because they filled the whole thing up with ice. Ugh, who, who does that? I mean, but that's how it is. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, our lives, our, our souls, we, we're a, a finite entity. We can only contain so much. And John the Baptist is onto something when he says, listen, I've got to become less so that Jesus can become more. It's not until we get that stuff that's ours out of the way that, that God can truly come and, and fill us to a place of overflowing where at that point in time it's, it's not us and it's God and amazing things happen. Church, this year it is our earnest hope, the elders and the staff and mine, that we would become a church that is full of Jesus Christ 
that, that becomes less so that Jesus can become more. And we want to do this in a whole bunch of different ways. And one of them is we really want to take this year and mark it as a start of engaging our community in a new way. And so we are starting with a brand new mission statement this year. Our mission statement is less, and less stands for something. It's an acrostic. What does it stand for? You'll have to come over the next four weeks to find out. It's going to be important that you show up. Because it's over these next four weeks that we're going to try to set out a course for what it means for us as a church to become less. Becoming less doesn't mean we're not going to take on some big, big deal situations in our community because we really, really want to. We've actually formed a team right now that's looking at ways to become more engaged in, in that Bristow area. We've got another team that's going to come online here in a little bit that's going to explore ways that we can become engaged in some communities that we're already working with. And as we think about the needs of these communities, we've realized that it's beyond us. And we've started to think about that. We said, well, you know, it's not too big for God. God can handle these things. And not only that, but wouldn't it be great if we as Christians were so engaged in the community that when people said, man, what, what's happening with this particular issue? Or what's happening with these folks? They said, well, you know, Bowling Green Christian Church, they've got that under control. If you wanted to help there, you need to go, go talk to them, really. That we want to be so engaged in the community, so, so out there on faith that, that God is doing amazing things through us and that it's attracting other people um, to Christ through us. Um, we, we read a book uh, entitled Rise of the Nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S. It's a book that's talking about the changing religious landscape in America today. And as this author was looking at how the church has gone amok, has gone awry, how people are burnt out on the church because they, they associate the church with, with all sorts of bad things, he said, what is the thing that we can do? He, he writes this. He says, as, uh, the Pew's Forum study reveals, nuns believe religious organizations are too concerned with money, power, rules, and politics. In short, that the church is trying to become more more rich, more powerful, more political. And in turn, they believe that religious institutions do very little to help protect morality. Only 28% of them say belonging to a community of people with shared values and beliefs is important to them. Yet here's what they do believe. They do believe that churches and other religious institutions benefit society by strengthening the community and aiding the poor. Three-quarters said religious organizations bring people together and help strengthen community bonds. A similar number say that religious organizations play an important role in helping the poor and needy, 77%. In other words, we may have lost the opportunity to talk with them and do life with them, but we haven't lost the opportunity to do good to them, before them, and with them. Good that will open their ears and hearts to the message of the gospel. In short, when the church actually does what the church is supposed to do, which is to become less and serve those that are in need, the world finds that incredibly attractive. Because there's something that's true about that that resonates. And they go, that's, I think that's what the church is supposed to be like. And so it's our hope that as we become less and we take on some larger things, that you would have to have this conversation with your neighbor who maybe doesn't go to church. You say, hey, listen, our church is doing this project, and we're helping the poor, and we just could really use some help. Do you think you could come and help us? You know, your neighbor would, odds are, love to do that. 
They'd love to come and be a part of helping other people, of being engaged in the community, of doing something good. And as the church, we are poised to do that because that's what we're about. And so it's our hope that as we become less, and as we engage the community, as we do what we're supposed to do as a church, and that's care for the poor and the broken and the lost, as we become less, and what does that mean? I'll tell you about that in the upcoming weeks. That as we become less, Jesus Christ will become more here at Bowling Green Christian Church and within our community. And so that's our prayer, that we would become less so that Jesus would become more. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, that is our prayer this year. As we think about who is it that we want to be as Christians this year? Who is it that we want to be as a church this year? Lord, we really would like to be less so that you could be more. We'd like to get out of your way. We'd like to stop offering people counterfeit Jesus that looks an awful lot like us. And we'd like to offer them the real deal. The Jesus that has come to save us from ourselves, who's come to save the world, who's come to set the oppressed free, who's come to restore the broken, who's come to bring forgiveness to those who are sinners, and that starts with us. In short, Lord, you've come to just change everything. Lord, that's the church we would love to be. And so as we're here this morning, Lord, in this new year, this first Sunday, this first day of the year, we commit ourselves to that, to becoming less so that you would become more. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.